so glad to have all of you here on Blunt Business on CannabisRio.com. Got a great episode for you today because of my next guest. He is a nationally respected U.S. health policy advisor, patient advocate, and medical quality assurance expert. As the original chief medical officer of Teladoc, he created many of the clinical processes and procedures that have become standard for the telemedicine industry. And so I'm, we, we are graced by his presence, the chief medical officer for Ianthius Capital Holdings, Dr. Richard Boxer. Dr. Boxer, thanks for being here. Well, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. I remember being on your program a couple of years ago, pre-COVID, after a, um, a, a wonderful session in South Florida. Yes. And or maybe Orlando. It would, uh, you, you were one of our keynotes at the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo 2019 in Miami, uh, August uh, 2019. Yes. That was great. Hey, we had the we had the fun on the Seafair yacht. We had the big VIP party, and oh my goodness, it was. Oh no, no, actually, that was the year before. But we had the. Uh, I got to speak with you in the suite above. It was after one of the first nights. It was a. It was a lively event. After yes, I remember that. It was a bit of a bash. A, yes. a bit of a bash. A bit of a bash. <laughs> And, I, uh, I remember I had to go ahead and make a couple of trips for uh, libations for everybody and, you know, stop it. Whole Foods <laughs> nearby. Like, that was the day I, I got a lot of walking in. You would have been proud of me. I, like, probably about a good five, six miles of exercise. My pedometer said so. So <laughs> Good. Uh, so let me. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask you for this first. I'm going to take, first of all, some information from U.S. News and World Report. They recently wrote this, <laughs> quote, caring for patients where they are has long been the promise of telemedicine. But it took unexpected and explosive demand in 2020 to make the promise real. Now, Cleveland Clinic, whose telehealth work pre-pandemic amounted to second opinion and urgent care video calls, went from 37,000 virtual visits in 2019 to 1.2 million visits in 2020. Meanwhile, uh, Teladoc Health, which you were definitely so important behind, they facilitated 10.6 million visits last year, a 156% increase from 2019. So when you see that information, you see the level of importance of telemedicine today, it's unfortunate that a pandemic had to lead us to this point, but now there is an industry that you helped to found, and now the supply and demand are just so backwards now. Now you have an amazing amount of demand this, what, talk to me about the, really the level of supply that needs to be done to take this and, and will it be sustainable. Well, it, I must say that in um, probably my, my proudest uh, moment as it applies to healthcare delivery uh, is that not just that I, I was able to take care of one patient at a time when I was in private practice and academic medicine as a surgeon, but to change the way medical care is delivered in the United States and indeed around the world is something that is quite remarkable in a relatively short period of time. It is unfortunate that the, that the pandemic increased the numbers, but as one of, the, one of the numbers that is quite remarkable, I think, is that before COVID, um, maybe in like January of 2019, there was 0.1% of all Medicare patients used telemedicine. By May of that same year, by May of 20, um, it was 43%. I mean, it was, it was like 430% increase. It was just astounding. Um, maybe it's even higher numbers. But in any case, the point is that, that it became uh, rapidly essential for the delivery of care. However, 
the whole purpose of telemedicine is to do something that's near to my heart, which is to provide affordable, convenient, quality care uh, and deliver it to the person. That is, it's no longer sustainable to have healthcare uh, or have the patient brought to healthcare. We have to bring healthcare to the patient. And it's particularly important when you have 100 million Americans in the rural areas uh, that don't necessarily have readily ready access to the doctors. Having said all that, technology has um, has evolved at light speed. Mm -hmm. And but the thing is that people have not evolved that quickly. People crave interaction. People crave socialization. And so now that the pandemic is improved, you know, getting better, it's not completely gone, but it's certainly getting better. Right. And people are, you know, no longer using masks as frankly, they probably should in certain situations. But with vaccinations and masks being reduced, people are going to, to the doctor's offices because they really need that kind of personal interaction. However, the truth is that at least 80% of all healthcare diagnosis can be done and is done by history alone, which means telemedicine. Uh, it's 20%, perhaps 20%, that requires actual physical examination or testing. Still at all, people just want to be in, in the same room as the doctor, and the doctor wants that too. So that's the reason why there is a reduction in the number of telemedicine visits uh, compared to the peak, but at the same time, it's not. It's much, much higher than it was before the pandemic. Well, because I think part of it too is it, it, there's part of a cost question to it. When I think about the fact that if a doctor wants to see me, and sometimes they want to just have the doctor's visits, which all you're doing is really just having a consultation, they want to charge you for that, and then the insurance is going to pay them out as well. When some of those visits do not need to be necessary, unless you're doing triage, unless you're doing testing, unless you need to be actually examined instead of just being consulted. That's where that whole point comes there. And then I also think about the certain kind of doctors you need to go and be able to consult with. I mean, especially if it comes to therapy, anything mental. If you're able to have that consultation, you're able to have that session with a psychiatrist or psychologist, and you don't even have to be in the room, but you can still have that contact. And then you recover your own home. There was that right there, but now because of the fact that there was a bit of a fear instilled from what happened with the pandemic, and people just... I mean, I also think part of it is that people are going to still have some kind of a fear. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Or some kind of a hesitation to go to a doctor's office because they feel like, well, they don't understand where the vaccinations come in and say, you know what? You vaccinate, 
you boost, you will contact the disease in some way, shape, or form. It will be transmitted to you, but the vaccine will do its work. That's what you expect it to do. And then you become, you receive the antibodies so you can go and be able to get in function. Normal activities. I remember when it happened to me, that's what the healthcare district said when they saw, found out I had my test positive. I went through the incubation. Normal activities. But some people are just not going to be able to go and adjust themselves to that. So part of it's going to be the demand, I think, will still be because people will come out of this pandemic and say, you know what, I, you know, there's still I'm going to keep wearing masks for as long as I need to. I'm still going to go ahead and stay prepared. And, you know, I don't think I can go back. I think there's a new normal and that's how it is. So telemedicine is here with us. But now it just got adopted way faster. And, you know, it takes a pandemic to make this happen. Well, all, all that you said is, is true. I, I personally have been uh, triple vaccinated. That is including the booster. And uh, I, I turned positive, but I didn't have any symptoms, but I happened to turn positive because I was I had to take a test for for certain reasons. But it it caused me no problems. And the but 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 I think that the what we have seen quite almost miraculously over the last couple of years is the speed at which we were able to we meaning scientists and we mean humanity, I suppose, but really the a few scientists around the world were able to create a, um, a vaccination and uh, has, which has saved tens if not hundreds of millions of lives. Right. The virus would have certainly killed so many more had it not been for, for the vaccination. It is a mystery to me why people don't get vaccinated, um, don't wear masks, particularly don't get vaccinated. The, the statistics are that, that if you, uh, that, there's a 40 times greater chance of dying from COVID, even the Omicron, uh, which is not quite as virulent, but certainly is more infectious. Right. But there's 40 times greater chance of dying from that disease by not being vaccinated compared to those who are. I mean, the masking going forward, I feel like when you have somebody that is not feeling well and they're sick, and they're not trying to transmit what they already have of them, which is not going to be COVID, but it just be, might be a common cold or some kind of allergic kind of reaction. To continue to do that, if you have to go out to a pharmacy, you have to go to a doctor's office, absolutely warranted. And I think that hopefully is encouraged. Before we go to break, I want to ask you real quick about your the legacy of you and, your, and the telemedicine you've done. You were recently appointed chief medical officer to Upscript. Very interesting story. It operates also a network of fully licensed and compliant telehealth providers, connects networks the network of commercial pharmacies, fast, efficient home delivery. So in the press release, it says that you will, quote, assist Upscript in maintaining best-in-class healthcare practices and procedures, create a peer review process to validate standards. Uh, now, for yourself, you were twice a finalist for Surgeon General of the U.S. That's your commitment to the patient. And I, I know you are a compassionate caregiver, the epitome of what every doctor that takes the, takes the oath, the Hippocratic Oath. Uh, you, alongside another person, also ran Upscript Health, which is a parallel business to Teladoc. Uh, both of you in the last two decades have led the way in shaping the current state and federal policies for telemedicine. I want to ask you about the parallel efforts that both you and Peter have done uh, and how it correlates to joining this team. So you've worked side by side on the same effort. Now you're together. Well, um, Peter Axe, um, who created Upscript and is a CEO, founder and CEO, uh, and I um, recently got together about 
maybe I think January of this year, uh, because I found that his vision is the uh, is the um, advancement of telemedicine. That is, it's a vision that that has people interacting directly with pharmaceutical companies, then the doctor, and getting a prescription sent to them mm-hmm. directly from a from a retail or a wholesale pharmacy. The point is that that in the past, the and really presently, because not all that many people are using Upscript, but I think they should. But if a person wants to get a uh, learns about a new medication for, that they think is helpful to them, they would go to their family doctor. They would then um, ask for the prescription or talk about the prescription. The doctor would make a decision one way or the other, and then the patient may or may not get the prescription. And it would it could take days, weeks, even a couple of months. In this particular situation, what uh, Peter Axe has created with Upscript is that if the patient sees a medication, thinks that it'll be good for him or her, goes online to the, let's say, Pfizer or any of the many, many um, pharmaceutical companies' websites and says, oh, I think this is really good for me, then can click directly on an icon that links them up to Upscript Upscript will have a doctor talk to the person immediately. And then uh, if it's appropriate, we'll then uh, send an email to the pharmacy to have the medication sent to the person. It, it, it really streamlines the whole process and allows the patient to have more control over his or her life. There you go. Now, just so people are aware, uh, when it comes to, the importance of telehealth and telemedicine. I mean, there's a number of companies also in the cannabis space specifically for cannabis, but we know that it's, you know, there's so much that's being done where the importance of, uh, as, as a component of any dispensary or any uh, medical marijuana treatment center is very important to realize what telemedicine is doing and how important it is as a factor to the treatment for those not only for just general health reasons, but for cannabis treatment as well. Uh, we're going to go to a short break, Dr. Boxer, but when I, we come back, you mentioned about when we were at that USCC Expo event in Miami in 2019. And you know what? We had an interview back then. I'm going to bring your words back to light because there were some great comments you made there. I want to follow back with you on that today as we are roughly three years, almost what three years ago we had that interview so i'm here with dr richard boxer chief medical officer of ianthius capital holdings and also same uh, chief medical officer for upscript we're going to come back with a short break be right back folks rolling into some sponsors but we'll be right back with more blunt business welcome back i'm here with dr richard boxer chief medical officer of ianthius capital holdings here on blunt business so August 2019, you were a, a keynote address at our United States Cannabis Conference and Expo <clears throat> in Miami. We conducted an interview with you where we talked about the level of curiosity from various medical professionals within your circles when it comes to cannabis. You told me this, quote, I certainly agree that the federal government is preventing knowledge. What harm is there in knowledge I can't understand is why the politics are such that the clinicians cannot discover or learn about if there is any value to this product, this chemical, this drug, or not. I can't imagine knowing about the benefits and risks of being anything but valuable to Americans, end quote. So three years later, we have this pandemic. 
The, the, the FDA now, as of late, their current stance on cannabis is they say, quote, they understand that there is increasing interest in the potential utility of cannabis for a variety of medical conditions, as well as research on the potential adverse health effects from use of cannabis. So there's that comment, recognition by the FDA. Senate Democrats in the, the United States Senate, they have voiced support vehemently for the MORE Act to federally legalize cannabis. So now we've gone to this point. What do you think about all this progress being made? Those comments you made back then and how we have gotten so far. Well, the, I think that we are definitely advancing from the point of view that, that the FDA and other uh, scientists within the government are thinking in terms of that there may in fact be some adv advantage to cannabis. Not only has it been discovered that it may be beneficial for pain or for, for muscle spasms or, or um, uh, for different conditions that the Institute of Medicine talked about, wrote about uh, years ago. But there's now evidence that it might actually be beneficial, particularly CBD, might be beneficial to prevent or uh, reduce the symptoms of COVID. Uh, that's some of the most exciting things that have come out in the last couple of months through scientific research. Uh, and I would, I would you know, refer people to Scientific American, how they, they're, dis they're describing it, as well as uh, many medical journals, or quite frankly, the New York Times or Washington Post or, or their, you know, any of the newspapers that pick up some of the national press. So uh, I think that, the, that there is definite improvement in the advance. It's not perfect yet. Uh, there is still lots of legality problems with the federal government, uh, but the, also the Biden administration has said that they are not going to go after people uh, or go after legal marijuana uh, stores or distributors within states where it is legal. Uh, the Cole um, Amendment, uh, named after an assistant attorney general, uh, Cole, when during the Obama administration, right. said that they would not go after people in, in states where it's already legal. And, and uh, Biden, the Biden administration has concurred with that. So I think that we're in a better place than we were in 2019. And I hope that in the years, in the near future, uh, it'll become federally legal and there'll be more and more research. That the, the inhibition has been that the researchers, when it's not federally legal, cannot do research in federally uh, um, uh, in, in institutions that are that are funded federally. So that's a lot of universities. Right. So th I think that there is progress there. We certainly have a ways to go. It, but it's going to take time to get the <clears> research. <throat> it's being done in the States. And sure. They're going to debunk what may be done in Israel or in other countries in Europe that are making the work and giving us great information on research on the benefits of cannabis. But, you know, to get that into any kind of decorum or any kind of a, you know, hearing to be heard about that is one thing that also just, I wish we had more, but I like at least, you know, in, in words alone, at least we're seeing that. And just like you said, there is research out there and there's a lot of reports that continuously put out there, partly because I think the media likes to go and talk about cannabis quite a bit when they can sometimes negatively, which I really, I'll call it every hit piece that comes out. But then we have good stories that come out. So here's one that I took. Uh, and I learned about from Forbes. They recently reported this, quote, if cannabis is taken the right way and at the right amount, 
the C- uh, CBD might lessen the severity of COVID-19 infection, even prevent the virus's spread. Now, we heard about this at the start of the pandemic a couple months in that we started hearing this kind of information being put out there. But now we need to go and formulate the real theory behind it and see if it's true. We have to test it. Random, you know, so they mentioned that uh, there was new research published by, by academics at the University of Chicago. New anecdotal evidence suggests that people, not lab mice and not isolated human cells, but human beings who were prescribed regular high-potency doses of CBD, pharmaceutical grade, were less likely to contract COVID, and that's according to research published in the journal Science Advances. The researchers wrote this, quote, Our research suggests that CBD and its metabolite 7-OH-CBD, which is a compound produced after the body processes CBD, quote, can block SARS-CoV-2 infection at earlier, even later stages of infection. And this came after the heels of other research that was published that said that CBDA, as well as other similar cannabis acids that become the familiar cannabinoids when heated, prevented the entry of the coronavirus into isolated human cells. So we know people have been talking about where cannabis treatment could be used and it might be a possible treatment for COVID. So I wanted to go ahead and see if you could qualify these intuitions into the effectiveness of cannabis for medical treatment. I mean, do you feel there's a lot of valid points and do you feel like there's enough research to, you know, put a, to endorse what's being said? I'm, I'm quite familiar with this uh, in that I've been doing some scientific research with a Israeli company, uh, which uh, has a, which is now a U.S. Israeli company called Antiviral, N-T-V-R-L. Okay. Uh, it's, you can look it up on the, on the web. Yeah. And the, the, this particular uh, company has produced a uh, very unique grouping of 30 different uh, uh, terpenes. Now, terpenes have always been thought to be an, a very important part of the cannabis plant. Uh, but in this and and in combination with CBD, uh, it, there's been a lot of a lot of research being done. But but in this particular situation, they took only terpenes and found that in the lab that it was very valuable in preventing both the virus from entering the cells and also remarkably to reduce what's called the cytokine storm, meaning it reduces the inflammation. So that that in the lab, um, not yet in humans, not yet proven clinically in humans, but in the lab, it's been shown to be extremely effective to prevent infection and to reduce, if there is infection, to reduce the effects of it. So NTVRL, NT-VRL, is a is a very interesting company an interesting compound right now it's a dietary supplement it's similar to what people think about as zinc or or vitamin c and that is that people can take it and it's available um uh it's available through various um uh outlets online and other ways and it it will soon be in the marketplace that is throughout the country but nonetheless the point is that that uh, terpenes alone or and terpenes with CBD have been found to be, at least in the lab, uh, be very effective against uh, uh, COVID in um, uh, either to prevent COVID from entering a cell, which would cause infection, or if it's in the cell, to reduce the inflammation called a cytokine storm, 
which is what kills people, the terrible inflammation within the lungs. So I spoke with last April, the, U, the director of U.S. operations for ABNA, and they are the ones yes. that are behind this terpene formulation. I'll give you a little bit background of what I did with him because we talked about, specifically, he did answer a question when I asked about him, um, that this terpene formulation inhaled directly to increase bioavailability can treat and prevent viral infections in high-risk and actively ill patients. And he actually helped me understanding about the direct inhalation of terpenes and how it could help treat and prevent viral infections like COVID-19 and other similar viral infections. So I would definitely go ahead and recommend folks to go and listen to that episode with Matthew McGrabby. That was from April 2021. Go look for that here on Blunt Business. Where, of course, where this podcast is, just go ahead and scroll down. You'll find it, and you'll find more about it. And we spoke specifically about that. Thanks for pointing that how, out. How do, you, how do you spell Matthew's last name? Uh, M-O-G-R-A-B-I, Mograbi. Excellent. That's really interesting because, yes, Ibna, the Israeli company, is the company behind and did the research and development of this product, antiviral, NTVRL. So it's really they were making, circle. And that's why I brought him on. Yeah, um, it's quite remarkable how uh, it's a full circle in our conversation and, and with McGrawley's. Hey, you know what? When we get the information out there, like I, I, I it's, it's funny how many times we're like, there, there'll be an interview I'll do here and it'll be somebody will bring up something. And I was like, we talked to them. I interviewed them because I've done a lot of about 250 interviews on this show. And, uh, you know, it's so important we had you on. And I'm really glad to have you on. We got to go to another commercial break. But when we come back, uh, I want to go and talk to you. I'm going to leave it a secret. I just I'm going to leave it right there. But I think this is fascinating. I'm here again with Dr. Richard Boxer, chief medical officer of Ianthius Capital Holdings here on Blunt Business. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. I'm here with final questions with Dr. Richard Boxer, Chief Medical Officer of Ianthius Capital Holdings here on Blunt Business. So now I have you here. I, I got to ask you about psychedelics because now the conversation, I mentioned this in our year in review episode here on Blunt Business at the start of the year. I mentioned psychedelics was going to be important. We have talked to several guests about psychedelics. I want to talk about this. Now, John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins Re- Medicine Researchers, they have previously shown that psychedelic treatment with psilocybin relieved major depressive disorder symptoms in adults for up to a month. Now, in a follow-up study of the participants, the researchers reported that the substantial antidepressant effects of psilocybin-assisted therapy, given with supportive psychotherapy, may last at least a year for some patients. Now, I'm going to quote from uh, Dr. Natalie Gukakskian, I probably fumble that name. She's an assistant professor of psychiatric and behavioral sciences at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. She says, quote, our findings add to evidence that under carefully controlled conditions, this is a promising therapeutic approach that can lead to significant and durable improvements in depression. She cautions, however, that, quote, the results we are seeing in a research setting require a lot of preparation and structure support from trained clinicians and therapists, and people should not attempt to try it on their own. Good disclaimer. What do you think about yourself? If you've been following along, I just want to know what you think about the possible inclusion of psychedelics as a possible form of treatment that a physician like yourself could possibly implement. Well, um, several things. First of all, I would not be the person that would be 
um, necessarily involved in that mm-hmm. um, only because I'm a urologist and a right. health policy researcher uh, and a cannabis <clears throat> chief medical officer. Uh, having said that, though, I've been reading a lot about psilocybin uh, through mushrooms, of course, that's where it originates from, yeah. um, but also ketamine, which is being used exactly in that way. That is, uh, they, they, the researchers have found both, and really outstanding researchers on New, in New England Journal, Medicine has reported on it, as well as Johns Hopkins. There's been outstanding information that has been breaking through some of the issues that PTSD patients and major severe depression patients who have been absolutely resistant to all of the therapies have been helped with ketamine and with psilocybin. Um, a company that I'm familiar with called Breakthrough is, is forming clinics around the country in combination with, with psychologists and psych, psychiatrists so that the person doesn't just get a, a medication and you know, go off on their own uh, as sometimes has happened. What this does is through true science and true medical care, the use of psilocybin um, and initially it's going to be ketamine, but soon psilocybin yes. will uh, be used for the improvement of people with PTSD and uh, other um, major depressive orders, disorders. It's promising. One other story I also have mentioned on this program as well is uh, there was a research done, and this is from a, the Imperial College London in the United Kingdom and their Department of Brain Sciences Center for Psychedelic Research. And they talked about the use of psychedelic drugs inducing lasting changes in metaphysical beliefs. They took almost 2,000 uh, people to take part in this, and they noticed they did several check-ins with these patients or, uh, and the, the study subjects for up to six months. And they noticed that, and the story was put out, that you could see where this particular story, they said that you could have medical physical changes up to six months after what happened, after, after the treatment, six months after use. And that's amazing if you have that, where you just feel like that it would have induced transformative experiences and spiritual encounters. Oh, actually, it was 866 participants. Let me make sure to say that. And they used the ceremony where they used psychedelics, including psilocybin, ayahuasca, and DMT. Uh, is there anything you feel like at all that, of what you've learned in the research, is there anything that you feel like of which of the particular psychedelics that will be a standout that you feel like has the possibility of the best results? Uh, I really don't know. I, I only because the, the research is relatively early, but it's yeah. rather compelling. Um, I, I haven't seen the research on anything other than ketamine and psilocybin. Okay. So for the other uh, drugs that you mentioned, I just have to refer myself really to the research to see whether or not it, it's effective. Um, but as it applies to psilocybin and ketamine, there has been uh, research that's shown that that the positive effects last up to uh, a year, yeah. and which I must say is startling, only because uh, it, it, these are these are conditions and illnesses that have been vexing um, uh, human beings for a very long period of time, and also the drugs have been around for a very long period of time. They just haven't met, and now they've met. Uh, there's good indications that it may they may be helpful. 
uh, I can't personally, uh, uh, you know, either prescribe or, or, or recommend certainly any of these therapies because I just don't know and I don't have a clinic that does it. But I can say that, that it, it, the horizon is bright. And if it does indeed prove to be true, then it will be a breakthrough. That's actually the reason why the company that uh, I've been doing, you know, having some conversations with, which is called Breakthrough, is a good name for it because yeah. it seems as if this, these chemicals, psilocybin and ketamine particularly, um, is a breakthrough. It's good to hear. And it's promising research. <clears throat> and the reason is, even we're Cannabis Radio, I still think that since we already know this is starting to come to light, I think psychedelics, are, it, for every cannabis business, another plant-based treatment in the same vein where it needs legalization needs to be rolled out and needs to be put out there. But people are starting to get treatment now and there's ways for people to go ahead and you know, we're seeing research being done again early, somewhat premature to go ahead and see that the real effects have happened. But it's like where psychedelics is right now. It's where cannabis was about five, six, ten years ago. It's about the same kind of feel, but that's going to roll its way through and we'll see what happens. But I think cannabis companies should well probably if they're not already they're probably looking at psychedelics as another another wing of what they're doing i think that's what i'm um, seeing that's a trend that's going to happen more once the ability to do that is possible that's what well, that may be uh, there's uh, the cigarette companies alcohol companies you know, um, are looking into the in, into cannabis um uh, yes. and so it's it's a natural extension of maybe cannabis companies looking into psychedelics uh, you mentioned um, uh, just just for a correction for you or, or in addition for for your listeners, uh, you mentioned that I am the chief medical officer of uh, Ianthus Capital, and which is certainly true. That's the national name, but actually within Florida, for example, it's called Grow Healthy or Mayflower in Massachusetts. We're in thirteen different states, and each state has its own uh, name. But Ianthus is the uh, is the overarching. Uh, owner of all the different cannabis um, uh, companies within different states. So for your, a lot of people are in Florida who listen to you. So it's grow healthy there. Oh, and let's go ahead and talk about that real quick and make that clear. So you have roughly under, under the Ianthus umbrella in Florida, you can find dispensaries for under grow healthy, 18 dispensaries in all throughout central and South Florida. And also, uh, up at where the I-4 quarter when it comes to Tampa and Orlando, uh, Arizona, look for health for life dispensaries. Also, you can find the the Ianthia's, uh brand of companies in Nevada. Maryland, it's also health for life. Massachusetts, it's Mayflower. And you're also one of the 10, you also have 10 vertically integrated medical marijuana registration organization licenses in New York. So eventually, you're already going to have four dispensary locations, if not already opened up in Brooklyn, Staten Island, Dutchess County, and Tompkins County, the first one in New York State, right across from Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. So to join directed people, the website is ianthus.com. So I-A-N-T-H-U-S. I almost feel like I put an extra I in there. I-A-N-T-H-U-S.com. And else you can look for... Their stock ticker on the OTC market, so if you're an investor like myself, I-T-H-U-F, I-T-H-U-F, make sure to look at their stock price. It's up today, as a matter of fact. Uh, Dr. Boxer, thank you so much for being on with us today. I really do appreciate it. And, and I would also suggest that if sure. they are interested in, as it applies to pharmaceuticals and, and telemedicine, 
Upscript, uh, it's Upscript Health. And as it applies to um, Medicaid, uh, ketamine, it's Breakthrough. Um, and finally, the, um, uh, the NTVRL, NT-VRL, for the use of uh, terpenes against uh, viruses, because it's been shown to be effective in, in the laboratory against flu as well. Right. Oh, and a website for Upscript, upscripthealth.com. Again, I'm joined with the Chief Medical Officer of Ianthus Capital Holdings, Dr. Richard Boxer. Thank you so much for making time out of your busy schedule. So glad to have you. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And thank you, listeners, for listening, and as you always do, we'll talk to you next time. opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.